0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Meet the Investor podcast. This is Artin Zahiri and I am the host of this feature. Today we're speaking with Patrick Mathison, partner at Toba Capital. Toba Capital is an early stage investment firm committed to helping create incredible technology companies.
1: Let's see, I'm a partner at Toba Capital. I've been here for about seven and a half years all in, all in this job. So halfway a decent amount of time um, in venture years. Toba Capital is... A southern california-based um primarily software uh, focused investing um uh a uh, software focused venture capital firm um mostly focused on b2b software and solutions we invest across multiple stages um you know with what you call pre-seed on the very early end sometimes very late investments more more growth of your pre-ipo rounds um but probably the most uh common stage where we get involved with companies is at the series a and that's often as lead investor um so as far as like the investments that i work with that's kind of like the round stage that um that i kind of personally thrive in we invest between 70 and 100 million dollars per year into into mostly technology uh, sorry exclusively technology companies but mostly software companies although that's broadened over time um we have offices in los angeles and newport beach
0: Awesome. Appreciate that rundown a lot. Um, You know, Patrick, a lot of kind of all our listeners are college students or, you know, younger people that are recruiting, looking to get into finance and trying to figure out that path to venture capital. Um, As somebody um, who I'd say maybe has a bit more of an unconventional path, can you talk about like your background and how you found your way into this VC space?
1: Yeah. So I always say there's two ways to get into VC. There's the front door and then there's the back door. Um, so I definitely went in the back door and what the back door means is basically um, being pointed in a particular direction and maybe happening to know um, at the right time, the kind of person who is at a firm, who is looking to fill a role and, and eat you pop into mind as that as that person. The reason that's the back door is it's, it's really out of your control, right? So um, when I, uh, basically my path was, uh, I went to University of Michigan for undergrad, I was a business major, kind of fascinated in all things um you know business building business administration technology yes as part of that um but you know not like a hardcore technologist just someone that, that the commerce was really fascinating um, organizations are interesting um the way you build them with people that's kind of um where my focus has always been um got hooked up with a job at a startup at a college um and worked at that company for a couple of years um, basically learning enterprise software so i was a business analyst financial analyst um also a product manager um for a mobile mobile application that this um kind of an enterprise i.t company was building um did that for a few years and had done a bunch of projects where i was supporting a bunch of executives um a number of them are at flowcast right now by the way uh incidentally um so which, which is how we know each other um and so basically i just had I'd done a lot of work to learn that business and then um a, a person that i would worked with who was a mentor of mine Uh, was a partner at at Atoba Capital and was focusing on enterprise software investing. Um, They wanted to hire an associate, and so I was fortunate enough to be one of the people that they thought of um, as a potential candidate for the role and ended up working out really well. Um, You know, that's, I think a lot of people that want to get into startups and maybe venture capital is the farther away, you know, aspiration or goal might benefit a lot from just pointing themselves towards startups. you know, or or, or high-growth technology companies in general. Um, the closer you can get to that, you're in the ecosystem, you can do good work, you can attach yourself to a company people know, you can build a reputation for yourself. Then maybe the VC thing will happen for you three years in or however many it was for me, you know, early or maybe 20 years in, but you're still kind of pointed towards the ecosystem. Um, the fact that it was three or four years for me and not 20 is just kind of a an accident of, of my personal history. Um I I know a lot. Frankly, I know a lot less about how to go through the front door. And I think the going th- going through the front door means you know you you look like what what VC firms are hiring um, in terms of your experience, and you know that that can often mean um, you know on one route going in the finance route, like working at a bank or consulting or something like that. Or alternatively, it can look like um, you know working at a very prominent uh, startup, like a lot of the people that are. Um, up-and-comers in VC, you know, did a couple of years at Stripe or did a couple of years at Dropbox or Facebook or something like that, um, and then they and then they segwayed over. Really, that's the same advice as the backdoor, right? Which is just point yourself toward the high-growth domain um, and hope that opportunities come your way.
0: That's amazing. appreciate you sharing a little bit of your history there. Um, no, really interesting thoughts. Um, and then on the flip side of it, um, you know, a good chunk of our audience are, um, you know, entrepreneurs. They're starting a business and they're trying to raise capital for, um, you know, for growth and to, to fund their operations. Or, you know, in some cases thinking, do I need to fund, um, you know, what stage do I need to fund at? you know, pre pre product, pre-revenue. Um, how much should I bootstrap? I'm curious what your thoughts are there. Given, you know, Toba Capital, there's a lot of early stage investing. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, people recommend bootstrap as much as you can. Um, I'm kind of curious where you think is the right time to seek out um, investor uh, fundraising.
1: I think that um, it's, it's perhaps never too early to be having conversations with people that might fund you down the line. Um, some of our best conversations that we have on the Toba side are people that are just starting their companies or just thinking about starting their companies and and they'll they'll say to us, Hey, I want to sanity check. Um, you know, I want I want to sanity check this idea. I want to sanity check like, you know, this is fundable down the road. And I want to see if I can get you kind of excited by it, even, you know, not not even on a monetary basis right now, but just to have you looking over my shoulder um, and potentially, you know, being helpful whether with money or not in early stages, um, you know, well in advance of an actual funding round. There's never it's never too early to kind of start doing that. Obviously, you don't want to spend all your time doing that because then you're not building your company. But I think of company building, a lot of it is the art of pulling people into your orbit. And whether it's advisors or whether it's investors and, you know, it's most definitely customers and employees. You're you're pulling people into your sphere, right? You're gathering, you're gathering their attention. Um, you're finding like-minded people who want to support each other. Um, and, you know, the best companies really like, you know, they may not even, they may bootstrap for years. But they might have, you know, three, four, five. Um, you know, it could be actual powerhouse investors who haven't even put a dollar in early, but are just, you know, their advisor to the company. Maybe they're a personal angel. Um, you know, if you spend a little time every week working on that, that compounds, right? And then eventually, you just have this like army of people that are that are kind of with you on the on the journey. Um, so that's how I would think about that. I think the actual question of like when do you raise, how far developed is the company when you actually put that funding round together. That's a continuum, right? The longer you wait, hopefully the better you're doing, the more valuable your company is. You perhaps get better terms on your on your fundraising, but then you have to wait longer to get external capital, right? So I, I think that that question tends to be secondary to have you found people that buy into the mission? Um, if you're continually pulling people into your orbit who buy into the mission, then you will have capital waiting to follow you, especially in a market like right now.
0: Yeah. And, and the beauty of that is having the conversations early also allows you to like iterate on your idea at a very early stage. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, like giving a quick sanity check to somebody, you know, um, in the investor kind of community um, and then networking from there, hearing their feedback, even if you're not looking to take mm-hmm. their money at that time, that feedback is crucial. And then you apply it when the time is right, you reconnect and go from there.
1: Right. And by the way, something that happens all the time is so if you're, for example, um, Sorry, I got to turn off notifications. If you're, for example, um, you know, you're early on the path and you're running into VCs who basically say, hey, I'm a series B VC, I'm a series A VC, you're way early for me, but I'll take a meeting with you, I'll get get to know you, you know, maybe I can support you in different ways in the shorter term. Um, This has happened to me on the VC side. You go into that thinking like, you know, there's no way this is going to be in our sweet spot for years. And then you get to know this founder, and this has happened to me a couple of times, and you're just like, wow, you know, this person is quite bright and quite compelling and they're executing fabulously. Okay, maybe we'll break our rule, you know, maybe we're series A investors, but maybe we'll actually participate in the seed round or put together this seed round for you. It's it's almost impossible to do that in the middle of a process. Like if you go to a, a VC and you're like, you go to a series B VC and you try to get them to do your seed round and you say, Hey, we're trying to close around round in three weeks, they'll never do that. But if you but if you basically say, Hey, we get 12 months to get to know each other you know, maybe they break all their rules because they're so captivated by you.
0: Yeah, it's a great story, great story to share. Um, No, really cool. Um, And, um, you know, Patrick, one question I've wanted to ask you because uh, obviously we we know each other. um, You're a board member at Flowcast, one of the portfolio companies of Toba Capital. Um, I obviously work at Flowcast today, which is how we got connected. but I you know putting that bias aside, I have to ask you um, of all the you know companies you know you've obviously invested in a lot of companies, you're on the board of multiple uh, which is your favorite portfolio company?
1: Uh, there is no favorite, but what I can tell you right now is that flowcast might be the company in the whole portfolio that's executing best right now um, and is just like uh, you know quarter over quarter trumping um, you know the the plan entering the year, the expectations for how we thought we would we would do. I mean every quarter is a big. Is a big beat. You're pulling better, better team members in. Um, every time I talk to Mike uh, Whitmire, he's more and more relaxed, uh, which is a change. Um, and so the uh, you know it, it's uh, you know they're they're all my favorite, um, but Flowcast is having uh, a year right now for sure.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. I, every time I ask um, like a VC investor, "What's your favorite portfolio company?" They say, "Oh, that's like that's like asking someone like who's your favorite like kid." um but you know like working internally i feel like there are some that you know are are on a stronger path to success than others
1: um or or at least at a particular time right i mean the funny thing the funny thing about companies i i always think like at least from the investor standpoint when you're invested in multiple companies you get this opportunity to sort of see their paths in parallel right and sometimes the ones that come out the gate fastest aren't the ones you finish the fastest it reminds me a lot of if you go to like a like a, a baseball game, you know, they do like the hot dog and like the bratwurst and the Polish sausage will like run around the field or whatever. And it's like the one, you know, you never know who's going to pull ahead at the end. It's kind of like that in DC. I've been doing this for more than seven years. Like the companies that exploded on the scene fastest, a lot of them burned out early. And then you have other companies like Flowcast, which maybe, um, you know, wasn't like in year one, you know, putting up record numbers, but just got better and better by the year and just compounded over time. And now is just, flying and that's a lot of fun that's a lot of fun in this job
0: yeah absolutely and it's like a a two-sided thing like you always hear the story of like um you know the the investment that got away like you were presented this opportunity to participate in a round and you know you felt like it wasn't the right time and then you're kind of kicking yourself later because you see that you know company propelling um you know you hear like all these stories of you know famous um companies that like uh you know went on shark tank but didn't get the deal but then ended up you know growing substantially um And then I guess, you know, within that, within that kind of context, has there ever been a a company that you've come across that you guys kind of passed on for whatever reason that, you know, looking back, you kind of (laughs) regret and wish you participated?
1: Um, So right when I was joining Toba, a really good friend of mine became either the first or second non-technical hire at Zoom. And he brought it, you know, this was like, I think before they'd raised any money and he brought it up to me, um, you know, this wasn't the CEO bringing it up to me, Uh, But it was my friend, like, hey, should you talk to this guy? And I was brand new at Toba and basically couldn't tell a good company from a bad. And I knew we had a couple other, you know, um, teleconference or web conference, similar investments in the portfolio. And I think my response was like, eh, it's just, you know, too close. Eh, I don't know if it's interesting, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, that would have been like a grand slam mega. Um, I'd probably be retired by now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. Oh, my God. But you know, you win some, you lose some. But that's a crazy missed opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Um, I guess I guess a follow up question to be with with that would be um, when you're looking at a company, um, and it's and let's say like it's such early stage, especially you know you guys again like you're you know a Series A investor. Um, I guess what kind of metrics do you look at um, to to kind of identify if this is one that you guys are gonna you know fit your investment philosophy or not?
1: I mean, it really depends on stage, right? So, like, like in that situation, I mean, this is this is what's tough is there's there's quantitative measures and there's qualitative, right? And so, like, you know, it takes a while to figure out what what you're doing in VC, and even after many years, you might still kind of be behind the curve on what the right things are. So, there's a whole plethora of of things. I mean, if you're talking about a mid-stage SaaS company, I mean, there's a whole you know, Google any SaaS metrics worksheet. You know, there's you know, there's the growth rate, there's revenue, there's revenue growth persistence, um, there's net revenue retention. Um, you know, there's CAC payback, there's LTV to CAC, there's those things. All things are somewhat commoditized at this point. Um, if you're talking really early stage, a lot of it um, is founder attributes, right? Is just um, is is just basically, you know, is this team portraying, you know, and every every team is different, but do they have some sort of edge that you can perceive? And you know, hey, this company is going to overcome the odds and really build something pretty terrific here. Um, you know. Uh, coming up against big incumbents, and you know, without without money and without attention, and you know, or this is the kind of team that can, kind of team that can do that. Um, and this is the kind of team that can execute. That's why I'm kind of a fan. We talked about this earlier. The approach of, you know, if you can, and it's tough in this market, but if you can, can the entrepreneur meet the investor over a long period of time? And the investor can the investor observe the entrepreneur over a long period of time? Um, because one of the things that you do have the opportunity to do, if let's say you've Known someone for six plus months before you even have an opportunity to invest, is you see them execute over time and you see them pivot over time and you see them do all this early stage stuff, right? Which is like, I'm hunting for product market fit, didn't get it, ran into a wall. Well, okay, when that happens, what happens now, right? Do I, you know, do the wheels come off or do I dust myself off and then go a different way, right? If you, you see someone kind of being incredibly persistent and thoughtful and then finally grasping and finding traction after, you know, six, 12, 18 months and you have the privilege of observing that as an investor that's a huge huge indicator um, that you should back that founder and it's also um, a big advantage over someone that's like just meeting them in the moment in the middle of a fundraise process with basically no opportunity to observe execution over time um, I strayed a little bit from your from your original question but I think when you're talking real early stage and you're talking team um, type bets uh, a lot of it uh, a lot of it the heuristic uh, the heuristics don't help you much. You actually have to observe performance over time. That's tough.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> got it. Really, really interesting. Um, appreciate that. Um, kind of changing topics a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you and I are, are both based in the Los Angeles area, which is where you know Toba Capital you guys have an office um, in in you know, Orange County in LA. Um, talk to me about if there's any kind of uh, if there was any you know particular geographic. Um, you know, reasoning um, for, for being in Southern California and how you feel about the overall SoCal tech and startup space?
1: Yeah. So the fact that we're all down here is uh, is definitely has historical precedent. Um, the founding team that started TOBA came out of Quest Software, which is a company that was based in Orange County, um, well, continues to be based in Orange County. Um, it's just, it's changed hands a few times. Um, but, um, you know, the, the executive leadership team and a bunch of key figures from that team were the ones who founded TOBA and many of them continue to operate today. So they're part of the SoCal ecosystem, especially the Orange County ecosystem. Um, and so if you look at the, the early bets that we made at Toba, a lot of them were just, you know, people that had come out of Quest and started companies um, and and people, a lot of those companies are in Southern California, right? I mean, um, I think that L- LA is distinct from Orange County um, as, you know, has been a more recent phenomenon. And I think part of the reason is that LA is kind of having its moment in the in the sectors in which we operate, which is B2B SaaS. Um, And if you look at the companies that are coming out of Los Angeles, they're getting better and better, Flowcast being very much one of them. Um, It's advantageous for us to be in the SoCal region already, having strong roots in Orange County and extending up into LA, kind of as LA is having this moment and having, um, you know, key anchor investments, again, Flowcast is another one of them in the middle of the ecosystem kind of as it's thriving. So I moved down here two years ago, with the expectation that I'd be able to find more great companies um, that fit this profile. And to the most part, we've been pretty successful. I've been really pleased with the kind of stuff I've seen since moving down. Um, didn't have to move down to do those deals uh, potentially, but I think it got a lot easier after coming down here. Um, so to me, to be able to participate in building the ecosystem here um, is a is a great privilege. And there's a bunch of fabulous companies. Um, in the LA ecosystem is also a great um, kind of roster of early stage um, investors, you know, angels, seed funds, um, series A funds, et cetera, um, who we often partner with, or we often share deals with, or go in together, or uh, just get to know each other socially. Um, I, I think it's um, for kind of what I wanted to do at this point in my career. Um, it's It's been awesome. So we're, we're big bulls on it
0: that's awesome yeah no, great to hear i i shared similar sentiments when i was um you know i was originally from san francisco bay area so when i was looking at los angeles as a place to you know lay my foundation i saw you know very similar trends um i guess more uh you know just more macro trends um, obviously covid 19 um, unleashed a lot of new uh, opportunities in tech uh, which is where you guys kind of focus uh, from a sector now we're at an interesting point because you know we were just chatting about how you know, there was the pandemic where everything was remote and everything was socially distanced. But now, you know, thanks to the you know introduction of the vaccines, people are we're starting to kind of normalize things. But it's not, you know, completely the way things were before. It's kind of this new post-COVID phenomenon um, with 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 the way things are looking like they're going to pan out, Um, at least in the near future, where um, it looks like you know, we're going to start doing some more um, social in-person kind of contact, but it's going to be regulated in a very different way. What are some new tech trends that you think are going to be really prevalent in the post-COVID era?
1: I'm not sure you're going to get much great macro thinking from me, honestly. I'm very much like a bottoms-up, company-oriented thinker. Um, so I don't think you're going to hear anything from me that you can easily Google or get from somewhere somewhere else. I mean, what I can tell you is that um, from being on the boards of these companies and seeing kind of what happened the last 18, last 24 months, um, kind of after that immediate pause, right? You know, there's a COVID COVID pause, and everyone's trying to figure out what the heck was going on, and then you have a rocketing ahead of many of many companies. Um, you know, Flowcast is one of those companies. Another one that comes to mind is is Boulevard, um, which is another LA another LA business, um, which is a business management and payments processing platform for salons and spas. Um, you know, th- that was a company that uh its entire industry was uh, its entire clientele was shut down for six months of the pandemic and they still tripled uh in client count last year you know why did that happen because um many businesses that they serve use that opportunity as afforded by the pandemic to upgrade their infrastructure and modernize right so i think it's why you see all these SaaS companies i mean toast is another great example of this toast had a great pause you know they had a big layoff kind of as the entire restaurant se- sector shut down now um, you know, we're not out of COVID, but now 18 months into this, they're like, you know, the greatest SaaS IPO, you know, in recent in recent memory, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think a trend is there's kind of a, I mean, here's one trend, at least as far as B2B SaaS goes, there's a bifurcation of, um, you know, do you serve a clientele that's using these opportunities to digitize and modernize and upgrade, or are you serving a clientele that's gonna get eradicated, right? Um, because certainly a company like Boulevard you know, if they were in the low end uh, portion of their market, like the you know the, the very small you know barbershops and whatnot that totally went out of business in COVID, they wouldn't be having the success the success they are. But they're on the side of the market, which is the the luxury salon and spa segment, which is the one that you know had the opportunity to turn the to, to turn the crisis into opportunity um, and and to benefits for themselves, right? And um, So I I, I think that's like what's kind of coming coming out of this as a as a big trend is just um, you know the the winners became more winners and a lot of the losers went extinct right Um, but if you're serving if you're serving a clientele that's going to be robust to shocks like this you're in really good shape.
0: Amazing, amazing. Uh, Appreciate those thoughts. And I guess um, you know coming up on time, one of the I guess last, last kind of question I have here. Is um, you know, when when you guys are trying to invest in a company, what are you doing to make yourself attractive? Because there's so many different VC firms out there, so many different investment firms. There's a lot of competition, um, and when you're having these conversations with you know companies that you guys want to get into. Um, Are you guys kind of pointing towards, you know, IRR, you know, some previous exits, successful case studies? Are you looking at, you know, being able to offer them specific um, sector industry expertise or partnerships? I guess my question is uh, why Toba Capital from the startup's point of view?
1: Yeah. So whenever possible, we like to lead with relationship. Um, And so I think if I'm in You know, if I'm in a dogfight where it's like, you know, uh, I'm fighting off six other firms, and it's a it's a company that I just met a week a week ago that has no basis to think, um, you know, that I'm anything special. I'm, you know, and I'm going up against people that have, you know, two hundred thousand followers on Twitter. I'm potentially not in the right fight. You know what I mean? So I I want to be in the want to be in the opportunities where we, we we can we can offer is. sort of a relationship and trust built over time and if if, if possible via the kind of arrangement we talked about before where we've gotten to know each other over a while um and and can actually point to an ability to to work together in a productive way over you know if you you sign up to work for with a company invest in them you join the board for example you might be on the board for seven to nine years or something like that or maybe even longer right so um i I always counsel entrepreneurs to think really carefully about what you're what you're doing there so um, if we can make that work, it's it's awesome. I think another attribute of TOBA that's pretty awesome is um, TOBA has this evergreen fund structure and the way that works is that basically, um, you know, a typical fund will raise a bunch of capital and will have 10 years to deploy it and then also to receive all the returns from it. That can sometimes cause distortions at companies because if, for example, you're a company that's eight years in that journey, you haven't exited yet, you might be getting pressure from your VC to get, you know, to sell that company. Um, that's not that's not always the case, and some VC firms are changing to adjust to that. Um, but you know th- that is a frequent thing that comes up. You know, Toba doesn't have that incentive. Toba's incentive is to be investing in compounders and be with them for a very very long time. Again, back to Flowcast, we invested in Flowcast eight years ago. Um, you know, I, if we had to get out of that investment in the next two years, we'd be making a clock a colossal mistake. I mean, I'd like to own my Flowcast shares for twenty years, right? And so, Toba's Toba's set up to do that. Um, and so I, I think that, like, that may sound like a small thing, but I think if, if you're a founder and you get to know us and, um, and, and you get to see the way that trickles down to how, how we operate and how we think, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, um, I don't know, like v, like um, VC game theory and like, like markup sort of based game theory and all this kind of stuff. That happens at traditional funds. That if you don't play any of those games and all you're focused on is just long-term value creation, um, you probably get a more relaxed partner in us, and you get a partner that's that's perhaps not sort of um, pushing or encouraging you to do something that maybe the um, you have to think about, like kind of what's driving that that pressure. Um, so I think I think it feels it makes us feel um, hopefully as aligned with the founders as, as possible, and I think what's I think what's good about this is that if you, if you lead with relationship and you lead with you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be this al- this this alignment in this situation with you as a founder, you actually can get into a situation where you are the preferred partner in deals, even where you don't know a whole lot about the space, um, where you're sort of like you know but perhaps they can go with another venture capital firm that's really focused on a certain market and just has all this institutional knowledge about how I'm making something up, but like the veterinary space works. Or something, or something like that. Um, you might actually pick Toba in that in situation if you're like, "Hey, Toba knows less about this, but I'm going to get a, a, a partner who's easier to work with and is going to be, um, you know, uh, multi-stage capital who potentially can be investing in my company over over the years um, and just having this long-term alignment with me." I found that often founders like that a lot. It's not for everyone, but um, it, it it sometimes is. Sometimes is great. And I guess I'll say one third thing is that um, at least in LA, I mean. whenever possible, we like to help with recruiting and, you know, we we don't outsource that to anyone. We really do that in house. And a lot of that is just work by the individual partner um, at Toba. And we spend a lot of time placing executives at companies from our personal networks Um, when possible. It's a lot more powerful to do that when you have an ecosystem, right? So um, in Los Angeles, we've had been very, very successful doing that. It's a little bit, you know, the the remote remote work is going to make that easier to happen in companies in different geos. But I think like, I think that is a superpower of ours in LA. And if you look at pretty much all of our LA companies, um, they're full of executives that we've helped recruit to those companies and we're super, super proud of that.